wow, it's autumnal. I love it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Do you, what's your favorite season? Ooh. Bad I mean, first date question, I know. <laughs> well, you don't know, is this is a first date. I just felt really awkward, so I asked the first thing that popped into my head. What's your favorite season? Um, that's a really good question. I feel like there's joy in all of them. Um, in terms of superlatives, I'm going to say I feel the most nostalgic uh, around autumn. Like, I feel like when the wind changes and it gets, like, a little crispy in the air, I feel like I'm like, did I mess up every last rela- past relationship? Oh, Am I, I alone that. in the world? You're in a music video every day. Absolutely. Hello. That's amazing. Hello. It's me. <laughs> like, so there's, it's holiday season, which is different than winter. There's a difference. Like, I love... Oh, yeah. Winter is... A suicide pact and holiday season is the best. Is yeah, is like a fucking trip down Christmas lane. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. It's just get all the guilt you can eat. Koa started school uh, this past week. He's like really grown up a lot. He has three hours of school a day now and he enjoys them. He has a cold. So what happened is he started school and then we pulled him out of school because, you know, especially in times of COVID, nobody needs to feel nervous. So you're like, my kid has a runny nose. All right, I'll pull him. But it was weird because I was like, school, it's such a big deal. And, like, we just started. And then I was like, and you're not going the rest of the week. <laughs> he was like, all right. like He did. I mean, he seemed pretty stoked. But from last I talked to you, and this was, like, when he started, like, two hour-long days, like, you got a new son a little bit. Yeah, he's really confident now. He's really <laughs> blossoming. He loves school. Like, he's into it. He. I walked in, and I've been here so many times. I walked in, and he was like, hello, Carrie. Let me introduce you to everyone. <laughs> He's been introducing people a lot. He's Carrie really and I, sweet. dear readers, Koa um, has been potty training, and he's awesome with the peeps and not great with the poops. <laughs> and he uh, pooped in the potty the other day, and I was like, dude, you pooped in the potty. You're going to get to have some ice cream later. So we... Uh, Carrie and I took him out for ice cream, and he walked into the ice cream store and started uh, going up to people that were getting ice cream and being like, hey, you pooped in the potty too? (laughs) And it was all these strangers, and it was so great because every single person he went and addressed that way and said it to them, they all played along. They all yes-anded him so Everybody yes-anded. Everybody was like, yep, I pooped in the potty. That's why I'm here. That's why I get to have ice cream. Like, every adult that was buying ice cream that day was, like, there for it. And it made me love New York and love... Pooping in the potty. Pooping in the potty. And, like, people, like, that little bit of human interaction was so welcome. But also, if they said no, they probably were liars. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it was easy to yes and because you're like, oh, you're a night pooper. Or, like, yeah, if I don't start the day out with a poop, 
it's a whole messed up day. Like, yeah. there's been days where I'm like, something feels off. And then I'll, like, recollect and I'll be like, I didn't poop in the potty this morning. <laughs> and then you don't get to have ice cream that night. And then night. I didn't get to have ice cream. It was a whole thing. Sweet. So the last time we recorded, I you I don't know if you remember. Well, of course you remember. <laughs> I don't know if you got amnesia since then. But we got really, I was telling the Annabelle story, and we got really scared of the noises we were hearing yes. in the house. Yes. So one thing that was just funny was that happened to Matt and I the other day. We were hearing weird noises coming from downstairs, and the boys sun, were out of town. The boys are out of town. Oh, God. So we texted them, and we were like, there's weird noises coming from your apartment. They almost sound like mechanical or something. And they were like, nope, we don't know. So we went down, and it was their uh, robot back. Oh, my God. And his name is Kyle. Fucking Kyle. And then I just gave them a really hard time where I was like, you guys make Kyle work on Sundays? It's rude. Also, did they name him Kyle after the failed TV show Kyle XY? Oh, I didn't ask. I didn't think to ask that, believe it or not. Do you remember that show, Kyle no. XY? The pro- All I can tell you is the promo photos, and we will post a picture of this because it's really good. The promo photo- photos were like, a young, nubile, fertile man. Like, he looked, he was ripped, I remember, as a child. This is all from recollection. Um, and he had no belly button. So his shirt was up, so Ugh. it just was like a flat with no belly button. And that was, because you think he was an alien? What? Is, oh, he was an alien. I was just going to ask. Kyle XY. I love that. By the way, I have to tell you, the TV show, the movie that I was a part of, I went in deep internet dive and I couldn't find the trailer. But it was called Mode Away. It wasn't called Mode. It was the oh, it was Mode Away, which I think is fine. You found a trailer? I couldn't no, find you it. Couldn't find it. it. It's somewhere, and I don't know where it is. That's going to be a huge upset in the dear reader community. I know, I, and you know what? Maybe when I do find it, it'll only go to the Patreon subscribers. Here I am. I don't know. See if you deserve it. Ooh, I really like that. I really like just that like card. tantalizing mode away. Unless you <laughs> find most it. tantalizing thing we have to offer you if Dear you become readers, a Patreon subscriber. If you find it, I will. We will give you one month of all of the extra episodes. Whoa! If you find mode away, Carrie, you just keep offering. Yeah, no, that's a uh, that that's feels fair. like a fair trade. If you find a trailer for mode away <laughs> by James Vidal. Do start it. start hunting. Happy start hunting, folks. Happy hunting. Goodwill hunting. Good word association. <laughs> so I went and got that glucose test. I failed the first one. It's a one-hour test. You just fast three hours. They give you a sugar drink. And then you go in and they're like, they hang out for an hour. You're starving. You just had this horrible sugar drink. Okay, now we're going to draw your blood. Okay, now beat it. And you're like, oh, God, go get a burrito. Go eat all the gelato. Because it's that feeling right before you take a pregnancy test, if you think you're pregnant, where you plug a glass of wine right before you take the test. Because you're like, <laughs> this after I take the test, there's no way I can do this in good conscience. But right now, uh, I don't know. I'm none the wiser. <laughs> so, you know, you go eat a thousand ice cream cones that night just in case you've got diabetes. Um <laughs> Which I I did go eat a thousand ice cream cones, and I had pooped a thousand times that day, so it was fair. So it was fair. You um, you deserved it as yeah, long as we're earning it. I think that's fair. The correct commerce. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And they're like, you failed. So if you fail, you starve yourself for eight to twelve hours. You go in to Methodist Hospital to what I call the blood deli. I call it the blood deli because it's just a hole in the wall where you have to take a number. 
and then they call you by number and it's so small it's like three seats right next to each other in times of covid where they're drawing blood and there's no waiting room there's no formal waiting room you just have to hang out in the lobby so i had to go there starving and drink the sugar drink and then you just hang out they draw blood you drink the sugar drink they wait an hour they draw more blood they wait an hour they draw more blood they wait an hour they draw more blood did they just like leave an iv in so that they didn't have to re-prick you no oh uh it's four draws and they do two in each arm uh was it painful Oh, no, you're so hungry that you're just mad. So pain, it's almost it's like, release. you know, I almost became a cutter while I was there. It was just so boring. <laughs> and you're so upset that you just want to have anything that is tangible. Pain at least, like, helps. Pain and would be better. Right now, Quinn is pulling on her eyebrows, oh, too. <laughs> it gives me, like, anxiety to think about being there. Quinn is biting um, her nails and tearing out her eyebrows at the same just, time. Yeah. It's like a full... T- and cutting. It's a whole thing, but we're she's under monitor. <laughs> um. Oh, God. I'm so anxious talking about it. So, what does this the sugar drink wild. taste like, is what it's, I want to know. It's hot pink, and it's this little bottle. But I will say this. It just tastes like the sugariest fruit punch or something, but you're so hungry by the time they give it to you that you're like, thank you, and you, like, down it. At least I do. It's like, it doesn't, they could give you anything, and you'd be psyched. Were you allowed to drink water? No. I don't think so. I didn't. I also, there was nowhere to pee there, so, um, you know, you really don't want to take that risk. But I did get the results back after having 300 ice cream cones that I am diabetes free. Oh, bless. So I can get my ice cream on. It's just so mean they make you do the test because even when you find out you passed it and you don't have the diabetes, you're still like. I think we call this diabetes. Diabetes. You're right. Because it's pregnant. Gestational diabetes. By the way. I really don't know what story I'm going to share with you. You first. don't have a story. <laughs> I'm just going to pull one out of thin air like we did one of those teeny tinies that one day. I was like, yeah. By the way, I'm just going to make up a story I'm gonna make as up a I story. go. No, I don't know which story to tell because they're both like fairly equal in length. So I'm going to wait to see what yours is and yeah, and like go from there. Okay. And, so Oh, no way. Wait. wait. Oh, by the way, you're listening to... Go! <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Darkly. Creepily. That's Quinlan Posner. And that's Kariopuma. And away. We. Go! This story is bonkers. So this is the Slender oh, Man story. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so get ready. Buckling um, in, click. I read a really great New York Magazine article called Slender Man is Watching by Lisa Miller. Read that article, dear readers. Just do yourself a fave. It's good writing. Um, I also watched the HBO documentary Beware the Slender Man. And, you know, just had to double check with Wikipedia to make sure uh, they were Fact doing all check right. on Wikipedia. You know what? They <laughs> asked so me for dark. money this week, and I was like, here you go. Every time you ask me, I'm going to give it to you because yeah. you're calling me out for the truth, which is all I do is hang out on, on Wikipedia, Wikipedia 
and not pay my bill. Okay, so we're in the year of 2014. Peyton Lautner is 12 years old, and she goes by the name Bella. And her best friend forever is Morgan Geyser, and they're in sixth grade together at Horning Middle School in Waukesha, Wisconsin. For the record, I thought you just said Horny High School. <laughs> they go to everyone's horny in high school. And they go to it's a middle school. high school in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It's middle. Did I horny say high? Middle. I don't know. I, I just heard horny, horny and, I, and I stopped listening. <laughs> just heard horny and I was like, whoa. Horny high is definitely the name of a porn. thousand <laughs> percent. This is not that. We're talking about sixth graders, Carrie. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> um, they are typical sixth grade girls in that they like love what sixth graders love. They like to make believe. They like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. They're, they're typical Carries. Um, they were not popular. Right. Oh my God, they are Carries. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're sounding everything right to me. Um, they were sort of seen at their school as misfits. Morgan. She liked pretend stuff, plain pretend, but she always sort of gravitated more toward the villains in stories. So she, like, loves Voldemort and calls him Voldy. Like... She wants to be a Death Eater? Definitely she's Slytherin. Um, She has a... Also, weirdly, has, like, this kind of obsession with Spock. She, like, loves the idea of Vulcans and would talk about him as though... He was a mentor or something, and she was going to learn from him how to suppress emotion. Bella, it's like you get the feeling a little more innocent. She likes to pretend to be a cat, and she draws whiskers on her face a lot and goes to school with them. And they talk on the phone every night. Maybe they have those phones you're picturing. Are you picturing that clear phone where you can see all the... They're 2000... This is 2014, oh, that's, Quinn. Okay. Well, this is not Pen15, which, by the way, <laughs> oh is God. so it's like, good. I just picture my own you life. You picture... Like, to me, I'm like, they they have an Instagram. Like, this is how I know they're massively different, is they have an Instagram where I had, like, an away message on AIM. You know, like, that... Right. It's just, like, I want to identify... I just, you know, I, we're of different generations. We're, like, five toy cycles apart. Yes, we always have to do the toy cycle for me to wrap my mind around it. <laughs> so Morgan, uh, the picture I'm painting, she's sort of always been a bit strange. Um, right. Her strange, I, I get the feeling uh, it's not clear to me how much of it is her and what she likes and how much of it is that thing you do in middle school where you're kind of putting a on. A little bit. Yeah, if people, uh, if you're getting a little bit of attention for I'm strange and then you kind of play that angle up a little bit for more attention she does like things like barks at other students um her mom is like called into school because she's disturbing the classes and actually i read that she brought a hammer to school at some point that feels Um, not allowed but okay that's not allowed but when you have to hammer like bella's like a little more functional at school well liked and has an easier time i think getting along with the other kids and has other relationships on May 30th, 2004, they both stick around after school to help their teacher clean up, which I fucking love. Was this detention or was this just like no, volunteer? No, just, as okay. far as I know, they just stuck around to do that. Okay. And they're having a sleepover that night. So their friend Anissa is coming to the sleepover as well. And she is besties with Morgan also. Is she, how close is she to Bella? 
not as close to Bella. Right. So Morgan um, is kind of like a ringleader a little bit. Yeah. But okay. Morgan and let me put it this way. Morgan and Bella. Like Bella would probably say Morgan's my best friend. Anissa would probably say Morgan's my best friend. Right. If they had to name besties. But Morgan and Anissa became friends way more recently. Anissa lives in her apartment complex, and she also goes to the middle school with them. They met at the bus stop. um, And she likes – she's kind of a caretaker-type persona, and I think she likes that Morgan acts kind of kooky and off because she takes on this role of, like, I need to help Morgan. I need Mm -hmm. to be there for Morgan. Um, And when she's picked on, Anissa loves to, like, defend her. Right. So that night, the girls are living it up. They go to Skateland, which is like a, a roller rink. How fun does that sound, by the way? And if you see my face right now, I'm so close. <sighs> Do they play light as a feather, stiff as a board? Like I don't think so. They stay out till like 9.30 at night, which is very late for being in sixth grade, I think. Then they go home and they have slumber party laughs. But they also goof around a lot on their phones because it is it's different it's we so used different. to play like as stiff as a board now we it's like three girls mind. on their phones because we were bored out of our mind <laughs> they, this is cute they all sleep in morgan's bed together so she had probably bigger than a twin bed uh, not necessarily when you're in sixth grade you don't care you sleep like you're in love when you're in sixth grade that's true i just was wondering like if they if their feet were off like what the vibe i believe was. that it was actually I actually know this. Morgan and Anissa slept side by side, and Bella slept like a pillow, like horizontal on the bed. Was Bella? Okay, cute. Yeah. So the next morning, um, they do a bunch of goofy stuff that I read about in this article. They crush granola bars into Silly Putty and then try to, like, throw it up and have it stick to the ceiling. (laughs) Ah, youth. Girls. (laughs) And then they play dress-up. They do acting. When they were asked about this later, Morgan was acting like Data from Star Trek. Bella was acting like Princess in Pink. And Anissa was acting as something called, that she calls Prostitrol, which is a character of her own creation... But we we don't know much about it. We know that Morgan, when asked about it, says it's a little inappropriate. Um, prosty troll? <laughs> I don't know anything about it, so. We can't listen. We cannot uh, confirm or deny cannot, the yeah. nature of the work that prosty troll does. Um, prosty troll. I, I'm just so glad I'm having boys when I read stuff like that. I'm just, you know what? Can we talk about, though, Morgan? Way to take one for the team. She's like, I can't confirm or deny. She's like, listen, it's a little inappropriate. (laughs) You know shit's weird. (laughs) And then you have, like, princess in pink. Clearly, listen. They're all at different. But that's middle school, too. Everyone's, like, like, in a different. Like, some people are giving handjobs. Some people are, like, Mm -hmm. afraid of a boy. Right. The latter being Some people don't know what a handjob is and are getting made fun of for that. The latter being me. (laughs) Morgan asked her mom, can we go play outside and go on a walk? They're by this park, David's Park, and her mom's like, fine. Bella kind of is walking ahead of them, and Morgan and Anissa kind of are trailing behind. And Morgan gets closer to Anissa and opens her shirt and shows her that she has taken a knife from the kitchen. And Wait, Morgan has taken a knife? From her own kitchen. Okay. And Anissa... Uh, will later say that she was thinking, oh, my God, this is really going to happen. Because they had actually been formulating a little bit of a scheme for months now, and it was not 
I don't think always clear to either of them how serious they were about it or how real it was, but they were hatching a plan and they had thought they were going to see this plan realized the night before at the slumber party. But Morgan had said to Anissa at one point, let her have one more morning. <gasps> they get to the park and no, there are these. Bella, no, Bella, no. I'm not ready for Bella. No. Okay. So there are these public restrooms in the park and they go in there. And at one point, Morgan grabs Bella and starts trying to sort of like restrain her. And Anissa pushes Bella's head into the wall. Basically, Anissa says the reason they went in the bathroom was that there were drains in the floor and they thought it would drain the blood away. Anissa also says she asked Bella to try to go to sleep, like if she could put herself to sleep because that's the best way. Is Bella in on this or Bella has no idea? Bella doesn't know what's going on. Oh, um, God. If you do, but they're always playing pretend and being and doing weird stuff. So I don't. So they start kind of messing with her, basically, physically in the bathroom. Almost like Anissa's knocks her head into the wall, but not so hard that it's this big, crazy thing. But just it's weird. Like, I think totally. the whole thing is just weird vibes. But do you know that thing where when you're in middle school, you don't have the wherewithal to say anything? Yeah. You would never be like, what are you doing? Or you you would, like, act like you were part of the game somehow. Or I'm not sure. Um, But the dynamic is that of middle school. So it's no one's, like, calling each other out. No one's – no one is also going to say, I don't like this. I'm walking away from this. Because you don't do that when you're in middle school either. You don't have – I hate this The emotional capability. Morgan kind of has a panic or a something. She starts to awkwardly stop uh, what she's doing and kind of sing to herself and pace. And Anissa's like, oh, give us a minute, and starts petting Morgan to calm her down like she's an animal. And then Anissa's like, okay, let's leave. Let's leave the bathroom. Let's go play hide-and-seek. So even though it's obviously weird, Bella goes with them. I mean... I don't know what else she would have done, like go home to Morgan's house and tell Morgan's mom that they're being weird. It, she's in a strange position, so uh, she just Bella. goes with it. Uh, oh. Morgan starts counting, and Anissa and Bella go to hide, and Anissa tries to tackle Bella, uh, but can't hold her down. I'm not 100% clear on the exact timeline, but I know that what happens is that Morgan gives Anissa the knife and Bella doesn't see this happen. Mm. And Anissa's like, I can't do it. You have to do it. I'm too squeamish. But Morgan's like, but you know where all the soft parts are. And Anissa's like, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Bella's distracted looking at something during this conversation. And Morgan's like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it till you tell me to do it. Like, it's on you too a little bit. Right. And then a minute later... Anissa says, Kitty, now, go ballistic, go crazy. And Morgan comes up to Bella and says, don't be afraid. I'm only a little kitty cat. And then pushes her and starts stabbing her. And she stabs her 19 times all over. Her arms, her legs, her body. She 
gets to some major organs. She misses a major artery in her heart by less than a millimeter. She goes through her diaphragm. She cuts her liver. She cuts her stomach. And Bella's screaming during the attack, I hate you. I trusted you. And Morgan at one point gets really close to Bella and whispers, I'm so sorry. After all the stabbing, Bella tries to get up to walk and is kind of stumbling. And Anissa grabs her arm and leads her sort of deeper into a wooded area and is like, you're going to slow the bleeding down if you lie down and you're just still. So she lies her down and they leave her there and say they're going to go get help. They do not go to get help. They walk away sort of aimlessly. They're just walking. Um, At one point, they go to a Walmart and wash their hands and fill their water bottles. And during this time, Anissa is getting kind of emotional and like crying a bit, I think. Morgan isn't uh, for a while, but Anissa starts kind of saying, you did this, you did this. And that gets to Morgan. But they're like wandering around crying together. They walk for a while and they end up sitting down in a grassy section near the interstate and they're picked up by police there. The police find a message on Anissa's phone that says, this is my final wish to those who care. Do not grieve my absence, but remember me for who I was. I love and cherish you all and wouldn't do you harm. So what had happened after they had left their friend to fucking bleed out and die, sixth grade girls, is that Bella crawled into the road and it's a park, so a biker came up. Can you imagine? No. Called the police, called 911, ambulance came, took her to the hospital. And before the anesthesia sort of took effect on her, they were able to get a little bit from her what had happened. So all the things I'm reading you are parsed together by, I believe, what all three girls have said of the incident, which I don't think matches identically, but we do, we were able to figure out the story. Bella is alive to this day. Oh, thank God. I know. Oh, God. It's like the only thing that makes this story even doable. It's like... Right. Oh. I'm whole... For the record, I'm I'm giving myself a hug right now because yeah. I'm so uncomfortable and so sad. I would give you a hug, but I'm not a hugger. <laughs> Anissa and Morgan are separated from each other when they get brought in, obviously. And they take, like, pictures and put them in weird... I don't know, hospital clothes. Oh, like scrubs. Like scrubs, but I don't know why they do that at the police station. They're both wearing need, like blue. Well, they probably need it for evidence. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> they probably need like it's evidence of like the good they thing I blood wasn't sp- there. I'd be like, you whatever. You guys keep your clothes. Keep your clothes. I'm not going to make a middle schooler get undressed. Um, they had to be so bloody. Um, they're not. They weren't really. There has to be some blood splatter, though. Yeah. No, of course. But it's just, it's not like a bloodbath. Like, they were able to walk undetected on the road, not looking like they perpetrated this for a while. But when um, Anissa finds out Bella's alive, she kind of asks quickly, like, can she go back to school? She seems really, I watched some of the footage, which they show in the HBO documentary, and um, Anissa seems to show much more emotion. Right. Right. Than Morgan does. She seems shaken up. 
Anyway, she's the one that does explain to the police what their motive had been originally, which is they wanted to become proxies of Slenderman. Do you know who Slenderman is? No. Okay, Slenderman is like a tall, thin guy. He has like a featureless face, very pale, wears always uh, a suit, and he can on command make crazy sort of like tentacles come out of his back. According to the myth surrounding him, he can do all kinds of things. He can cause amnesia. Uh, He can cause paranoid behavior. He is often depicted as being uh, in a forest or outside a home stalking or watching children or like on a playground in the background. He's a fictional thing that there um, there was this thing called Something Awful and it was an online forum and there was a 2009 Photoshop contest that was to create like a crazy paranormal image. Somebody created an image of Slenderman standing on a playground watching kids play. So he's in the background. He's totally creepy because the kids are in the foreground. You see like this creeper watching them that has a body that's just like off. Right. You know, but people loved the photo and started writing a bunch of myths and fan fiction and making other photos and making fake videos of run-ins with Slenderman. And the kids find him on Creepypasta Wiki, which is a website that has, um, I don't know, all different kinds of fake scary story stuff. Right. But it's, it's fan fiction is what it is where, like, there'll be a character and then everyone will write stories about their run-ins with him. Okay. So if you want to, if you love playing pretend and like Morgan, especially remember loves like bad guys. Yeah. So they start reading about Slenderman a bunch. Anissa's the one that shows it to Morgan and they start reading about him a bunch. And it's kind of this fun. I don't know. When I was in sixth grade, we loved those books, scary stories to tell in the dark and stuff. Yeah. Like it was, it was very fun to feel scared when you're in sixth grade. Yeah. They oh. get sort of obsessed because they're so in their pretend world. That they are both dealing with their obsession and their, it's a fear of him, but it's also feeling like, well, how could we overcome this fear? We could become his proxies and go live with him at the Slenderman mansion. How do we become his proxies? We have to commit a murder. So it was sort of an initiation, right, to please him. And if they did so... He would be their protector, essentially, and they would be his minions. It's not totally clear what work they would be doing for him. But at one point, I want to be clear. They say that it's all that's the whole reason they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, in the interview, Anissa will say he does not exist. He's a work of fiction. She will say that she's fully aware that he's pretend. That he's pretend, and yet... They still committed a very real crime, a very real assault. And if you ask her why, she will loop back and say, to become Slenderman's minions. And says this. Yes. What does Morgan say? Morgan seems to believe it in a way where she doesn't even bring him up at first in the interview. They hear it from Anissa and then I think bring it to Morgan where they're like, tell us about Slenderman. And I think she's like, oh, I don't think she brings it up because I think she believes it. Yeah. I also get the feeling that Anissa really is wanting to prove that she's 
an adult and that she knows that she did something wrong. I don't know. It's she has a really different way of approaching her interview than Morgan. Morgan seems really distant. She says things about stabbing her friend like it was weird. I thought I would I didn't feel anything. It felt like nothing. It felt like air. Um and she doesn't say anything that makes you feel like she regrets it. She asks if Bella's alive, but not in a way where you feel like she'll feel better if she is or anything. It's she even says just curious or something like that. Ugh. Ugh. And Anissa will be like, we were looking at this site, Creepypasta. It's fake. It's there to scare people. Like, she has the wherewithal. What's worse? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly like, truly, don't know. what's worse? Someone who knows it's pretend and still does it or someone who, like, oh, it's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah. So the police when they look through Morgan's room they find like a bunch of drawings she's done of Slenderman and they say things like never alone he still sees you and there's this symbol that is sort of associated with him it's like a circle with an x on it it's called the operator symbol and it's I'm not totally clear on whether it's supposed to fend him off or bring him but um she does seem like even though she heard about this from um Anissa I think she got really wrapped up in it even more than Anissa did. Anissa says Morgan proposed that they kill Bella to become proxies and that she said this around December or January and that she, and she'll be like, I didn't want to do it, but I also didn't want to leave Morgan all by herself to do it and I also wanted to prove the skeptics wrong. So keep in mind, this 12-year-old is saying, it's fake. I know it's fake. I didn't want, I wanted to show that it wasn't fake. It's just, there's so much. It's so confusing. She doesn't know her own point of view, it feels like. For sure. Morgan says it's Anissa's idea. She said, she keeps saying to the police, she made it seem necessary. She made it seem necessary. Why did you kill, why did you do this? It was necessary. Why did you do it? And she says, I didn't want to make Anissa mad. It's hard enough to make friends. I didn't want to lose one over something like this. Oh, have they got their work cut out for them? So after they had stabbed her, the reason they were wandering sort of aimlessly is they were waiting for Slenderman to come get them. They were trying to get to his mansion. They thought they were leaving home forever. So they had packed like they were leaving home forever, which for a 12-year-old is like, I don't know, like a granola bar a journal like I don't know what they brought like nothing Morgan tells Anissa at one point well I promised him that if we had failed to go through with this then he could have his way with our families and she says that to Anissa while they're walking and Anissa kind of just falls apart and is like I want to call my mom I want to go home they are still kids I think it's important to remember that yeah the documentary is kind of crazy because it does have interviews with both their parents. And Morgan's mom s- talked about how Morgan has always had trouble showing empathy, that when she was little, they showed her the movie Bambi, and they thought, oh, no, like they were nervous for the part where the mom gets shot. Spoiler alert. S- oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that to the readers. It's in the first, like, ten minutes, so it's fine. <laughs> Spoiler For alert, those who haven't seen the mom Bambi, dies, I'm you so guys. Sorry. It's a Disney movie, so you honestly shouldn't be surprised that a parent is D-E-A-T dead. Let's just say it. <laughs> That's their theme. 
She thought that Morgan would react really poorly to that, but Morgan started yelling, Bambi, run, run, like save yourself. Like her whole thing was like, I'm not sad the mom died, but like, get away. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a reaction you would commonly see. And she said that there were other movies and things like that that they expected her to have a certain reaction and she didn't. Her survival tactic, like skills, are like very high. Yes. One thing that is really important to note is that Morgan's dad is schizophrenic. Okay. He is on medication and he is totally functioning and his level of schizophrenia is such that he's never done anything, I don't think, violent. But he talks a lot in the documentary about having to deal with seeing things still sometimes that he knows are not real. Wow. Um, And how tricky that is. They were showing stuff they found in Morgan's room and they showed a Barbie that had like no hands or feet like she'd cut them off and drawn the weird uh slenderman symbols on it it's dark um very dark but i would suspect if you stab your friend you probably have some like dark ideations you know yeah it's weird i would be curious to get your the right word I like that word, so I, I think you should just use it. It makes you sound should... smart, and all the readers that know you're using it wrong, it makes you sound stupid. Exactly. That's like so always... it's kind of this fun risk. It's like a real high risk, low. It's high risk, low reward. Yeah, which you know, we need more of that. We need more. Oh God, that's the theme of this year: um, high risk, <laughs> low reward. But it's what drives me crazy is that. For Morgan being, quote, the crazy one, Mm -hmm. the one that legitimately, she keeps saying that it was Anissa that said we we should do it to Bella. And something about that rings a little true to me only because Morgan and Bella had been friends so long. I also think there's actual, it rings true because... In the telling of it, it was Morgan who did it, and it was Anissa who told her to. Now Kitty, right? Like, there was, like, a little bit, like, Anissa did feel... Yes, but both girls will say it was the other ones that came up with the plan. No one fully takes credit for, I decided this was how to do it. And I... But does it matter? Like, really, a young girl was stabbed, and both of them are implicated in it. It's like, I... I guess, like, motive, sure, I bet motive is, like, deciding. You want, in middle school, there's so much jealousy, too. There's something to me about, like, I want this girl out of the picture so we're best friends and we have the Slender Man thing together. It's, like, beyond the feeling of, like, let's keep a secret from our other friend or let's talk shit. It's, let's come up with a fantasy where we kill her and that'll make us so close. Um, oh my god! I'm obviously like this is just I'm editorializing Bella, and to be guessing. Very clear, I am Team Bella in this. <laughs> I mean, I think we all are Team Bella. That poor <laughs> fucking kid. My oh, God, Jesus! I'm so glad she's okay. Although, fuck the therapy. Like trust issues. She's gotta have them. Yeah, she's gotta. So they also check out obviously Anissa's house and her computer and like in her history they see that she's done things like taken online tests are you a sociopath are you a psychopath um did she pass or fail oh but they're not they're not the real they're not real they're like uh 
They're like a BuzzFeed vibe. Yes. They're yeah. like People Magazine has this test. And then they're like, congratulations, Cosmo, are you you're a, a psychopath. Or a, yeah. or a psychopath. <laughs> you a top, a bottom, or a psychopath. <laughs> we should make that quiz. That's a fun quiz. Yeah. All right. Put it on the to-do list. And everybody just comes up as psychopath. Because <laughs> <laughs> you took the test. What I, I have to say that, like, what you will glean, I think, from watching the HBO doc don't fucking let kids watch whatever they want on YouTube. It's just a cesspool. And yeah. one thing leads to another leads to yeah. another. There was just tons of stuff she was watching that was so dark and gross. And her mom was like, I regret ever getting her an iPad because yeah. she would sit alone in her room and look at stuff. And Well, the suggestions, it's not dissimilar. This is such like a, but I feel like in porn, I think I've talked about this, but I think like, in porn, whenever you get, like, a suggested video, like, it always ups the ante in a way. And similarly, like, if you have in YouTube, if you're like, I'm curious about this conspiracy theory, then it, like, again, ups the ante and it gets more and more and more. Yep. One thing that was interesting that they reveal about the lore of Slenderman mm-hmm. is that Slenderman's origin story has to do with being bullied. And they were all bullied. Yeah, and they were kids that were bullied. And he became, he was bullied, but he became powerful. Well, it's not dissimilar than Through darkness. Well, it's also Voldemort, too. It's like Voldemort Mm -hmm. had an adverse childhood and then, you know, became powerful. This is what happened. So what happened is uh, the judge ruled the girls mentally competent. To stand trial? Not just that, but he was like, and this is serious enough. You're going to be tried as adults. Wow. They're like 12. Wow. So they are moved to a juvenile detention facility right after this happens. And they have super different experiences there. Uh, Anissa becomes sort of, um, I don't know if you can say top of the class at a juvenile facility, but she's doing schoolwork there that she's excelling at. And she's trying to be helpful and kind to other kids. Um, Morgan is diagnosed schizophrenic, and she's has kind of a more strict situation where she's under surveillance and seeing uh, doctors and explaining that her history to them, and they realize she has this really extensive list of stuff that's happened since she was three. She started seeing things that weren't there. Mm. And... She's had auditory, visual, tactile hallucinations. Um, They say that she has something called oppositional defiant disorder, which has to do with breaking rules and not wanting to conform. uh, Right. Kind of explains some of her antisocial behaviors. She also hangs on to the Slenderman narrative much longer, I think, even once she's put away. Um, and she's not, like, making friends. She's talking to herself and to imaginary people all day. Wow. But she doesn't seem unhappy, necessarily. It's For sure. She's like, oh, all my friends live here with me in my cell. And I talk to them all day. And I act like an animal sometimes. In 2017, Anissa pleads guilty to being party to attempted second-degree homicide. She um, is sentenced to 25 years to life. 
Wow. Um, it's indeterminate. It will involve at least three years locked in confinement and <gasps> uh, involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute, followed by communal supervision until age 37. Morgan accepts a plea offer where she will not go to trial and will instead be evaluated by psychiatrists to determine how long she needs to be in a mental hospital. She later does plead guilty, but was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. In 2018, a Wisconsin judge sentences her to 40 years under mental health facility supervision. So she can petition for release but she will remain under institutional care for that whole sentence. Wow. Um, and during her trial, she was committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute and was the youngest patient there. Oh, my God. And I think she's now, I can't do the math. If she was 12 in 2014. Um, she's 18. She's 18. So they're both 18. Holy shit. Bella, also known as Peyton, her mom writes a letter to the court that talks about how Peyton sleeps with scissors underneath her pillow and that it's caused all kinds of problems you wouldn't necessarily think about. Like all the attention that had to be on her resulted in her brother even having issues because he felt forgotten. And then there were just things that come up like when they went to go do things like go shopping for her homecoming dress or go on vacation. Her whole body is covered in scars. Ugh. Their marriage was really affected. It said that everyone copes differently with trauma and loss. We knew this going in, but we could never seem to get on the same page, which made it harder to come together during times when we really needed each other. What felt like never-ending trips to the courthouse for hearings, media requests, and doctor and therapy appointments created a cavern between the two of us. As the years dragged on, the cavern got wider and scarier to breach. And even though we both love each other and cherish our family, we can't seem to find a way to traverse the pain that exists in that cavern and find our way back to one another. We accepted the plea deals for Morgan and Anissa for two reasons. First, because we believe it was the best thing to do to ensure Peyton would not have to testify. Traumatizing her further didn't seem worth it. She has never talked about her attack, so asking her to testify and relive her experience in front of a courtroom of strangers felt cruel and unnecessary. And second, because Peyton felt placement in a mental health facility was the best disposition for both girls. So there's more wow. to that letter if you want to look it up online. But um, wow. so no one lived happily ever after is the truth of the matter here um and it's just was so horrifying that i felt like oh get in your kids business get in your kids business like and I just like the internet is so fucking scary like yeah. i mean and and this is coming from two chicks who have a true crime <laughs> paranormal <laughs> scary story podcast so wow so sorry that was a long one, but it's like the more I looked into it, the crazier the story is. And Ugh. I just like, I can't fully wrap my mind around no. these children doing this thing. And Ugh. it's so, it's so, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. 
and watching the parents talk about it. And one of their sons, uh, I think it's a, a niece's brother, was supposed to get an iPad for school. And the parents were like, really? Yeah. Like, we don't want to do this. We don't want to give our, our kid an iPad. Yeah. We don't think he needs one. <laughs> you have it, is there He's a like belief eight. it's like oh god and you are like i don't think he needs one either the amount of times <laughs> i've babysat though and like wow thanks for sharing yeah that documentary monitor sounds what insane. your kids fucking watch folks and you know what don't let him listen to truly darkly creepily even though i really want more listeners it's not worth just, it it's not worth it it's not worth it anyway I'm doing the story of oscar pistorius blade runner don't know. You don't know this one? No. It was huge. Um, huge. It was huge. Um, I got a lot of the information from an article in Vanity Fair called The Shooting Star and the Model by Mark Seal. Great name for an article. Great name for an article. Great name for a band. Great name for a band. Well, this is a story of a death. Um, so I'm going to give some information if you don't know. So I'm going to start with Oscar Pistorius. Oscar Pistorius, also known as Blade Runner or the fastest man with no legs, in when he was born at 11 months, he had like a congenital issue where they amputate. He's a double. He's a double amputee, so they they um they amputated both his feet and his um, fibula. So from the shin, so he still had use of a knee. He talks a lot about, or a lot of it talked about his mother who tragically died when he was a teenager but how she didn't treat him differently and she was like some kids need to put on their shoes some people need to put on their legs he's south african he's very much an inspiration in the south african community especially amongst um non-able-bodied people especially athletes right Mm -hmm. so Starting in 2007, he was a runner. He would run the 400 meter, and he in the in the Paralympics he became a champion. So starting in 2007, what makes him so noteworthy is that he fought to get into non-disabled competitions. So he petitioned the racing federation, whatever it is, to allow him to compete against able-bodied athletes which was pretty remarkable. So remarkable, in fact, that he competed in the 2012 Summer Olympics, and he was the first double-leg amputee to participate in the Olympics. Wow. Pretty incredible stuff. He, It definitely got his name on the map. And he was sponsored by Nike, Oakley, Terry Mugler. He, I think, was making like $2 million a year, but he was like a very inspirational athlete. And he put a South Africa on the map, you know? And now I'm going to go into Riva. Riva Steenkamp is this beautiful blonde model. They, a lot of people talked about how she's the mixture of brains and beauty. She was, as a child, wanted to be a lawyer, so she went to law school. She graduated at the top of her class. And then through one incident, she, like, had an accident, a horse accident, where she was really injured. And she decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue being a model. That's what she wanted to do. So she was really driven, really focused. So many people talked about how she worked really hard to be a model. And she was on a, she had just gotten booked on a reality TV show. And early on in her life, she had had an abusive relationship. She left that person and she came, she became really active in organizations that 
advocated for women who were victims of abuse and violence. Mm -hmm. Something to note about South Africa, around this time, it was an incredibly dangerous place. There were lots of robberies. There were lots of, there just was a lot of crime where they were living. In fact, in South Africa, intimate femicide is the leading cause of violent deaths against women. So a lot of women are killed in romantic relationships. Um, it Apparently it happened at this time every eight hours a woman was killed by her partner. Horrible. Tragic. In South Africa from the year 2011 to 2012, there were 64,500 reported rapes. That's one rape every four minutes. Holy shit. It was, according to, I think, the U.S., it was the highest occurrence in the world. That's crazy. So insane. So South Africa is incredibly dangerous at this time. I think there was a huge wealth gap. I think there is a lot of, um, there was a lot of oppression, obviously, like apartheid ended, I think, in 91, obviously very late. You know, so it was like there was, there was just a lot of tension and oppression and violence within the South African country. Okay. So the two, um, Oscar and Riva, end up meeting in November 2012 through Friends of a Friend. He is, you know, just competed in the Summer Olympics. You know, he's just on cloud nine. And she's this model who just got into reality TV show. You know, she'd filmed it. It was going to premiere later on in 2013. And, you know, they were the it couple. You know, they were super popular. She was a beautiful model. He was a famous athlete. And so they started, they met in 2012 and then started dating very soon after that. They were in magazines. They were in covers. They were just like Victoria Beckham. It was like Posh and David Beckham. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that was the vibe. Really good example. Really good. Thank you. I think that was from a video I saw. Um, Bend it. mm, Like Beckham. Um, (laughs) So... He had, I'll get into his some of his reputations later, but um, on February 13th, 2013, she was preparing the next day for a speech that she was going to give to students to commemorate um, the Black Friday campaign for rape awareness. And this day came after the death of a 12-year-old who was gang-raped. Jesus. So she wrote, I think on her Twitter or on Instagram, she wrote, I woke up in a happy, safe, happy, safe home this morning. Not everyone did. Speak out against the rape of individuals in South Africa. R.I.P. Anani Buyasin. I think that's how you say her name. Um, hashtag rape, hashtag crime, hashtag say no. So at this point, the two of them had been dating for four months. On February 14th, 2013, she pulls into their high-security little area, little community, and this was a very safe neighborhood. Security, I think, had only been breached twice, and after that, they had increased the security, so it was known as, like, a safe a safe place. Early in the morning, some neighbors hear some screaming. They hear gunshots. Mm-hmm. They hear more screaming at 3 a.m. At 4 a.m., the detective Hilton Botha gets a call saying that Oscar shot his girlfriend. What? So I'm going to go, I'm going to tell you what the detective, because a lot of it was his story in the Vanity Fair. So he had heard of Oscar before. In fact, he had arrested Oscar in 2009 because there was an assault charge where Oscar was having a party and a woman, he 
slammed the door on a woman so hard that the glass broke and it injured her. And so she was suing Holy him. Holy shit. So, so he's got some rage? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go through some examples. But the detective walks into the house. And the first thing he sees is he sees Riva on the floor um, in front of the stairs. What had happened was, based on Oscar's telling of it, is at three in the morning, he wakes up to close his balcony because it was open. He closes his balcony and he hears someone in the bathroom. Now, he claims to be fearful of intruders and he has a gun. So his gun is under his bed. So he didn't put on his prosthetic legs. So he went and got his gun, went to the bathroom. He noticed the window open and he thought, oh my God, there's an intruder. So he calls to Riva, call the police, call the police, call the police. And he hears someone in the toilet. The toilet is a separate room. Like it's an ensuite bathroom with a separate room for the water closet, the toilet, right? Oh, I do like when they have those. Yeah. So that somebody can be brushing teeth and somebody can be, and yeah. you don't need to. Pooping in the potty. Right. So getting ice cream for later. So he hears a commotion. He's yelling for Riva to call the police. He has his gun. He hears someone in the bathroom. He thinks it's an intruder. He shoots through the door four times. Through the closed through door. Through the closed door. He's calling for Riva. He goes back to the bed. She's not in bed. It was dark, so he claims he did not see her. He calls. He's like, okay, what's going on? He's like, what? let me see what's going on in this bathroom. He puts on his prosthetic legs, and he tries to open the door. The door doesn't. So he grabs a cricket bat, and he knocks it down. And there he finds Reva shot Dead. three times. I think she was still breathing at this point. So immediately he screams, asks for help, calls security. They call an ambulance. He brings her down, he carries her downstairs, and he tries to give her CPR and resuscitate her. A doctor from a nearby house has come over, so she shot in three places. She shot above her right ear, I believe in her elbow, and maybe through her fingers, and through her right hip. So it looked like she was crouching, hovering with her head, and it shot through her elbow, or through her fingers to her elbow. The doctor notices the head injury, and they notice her bleeding out, and they're like, the CPR is not going to help. She stops breathing. She's dead. Wow. Right? It's so fucking awful. So Botha, Detective Botha comes in, finds her dead, covered in towels, goes to the garage where Oscar is. His clothes are bloody. His hands are clean because he washed his hands because there was a lot of blood, he said. He was crying. He claims that, when did I say he put the prosthetic leg? Yeah, he put the prosthetic legs before, but he was not with his prosthetic legs when he shot through the door, Uh which will make a difference in terms of the angle, in terms of where it, the angle in which he shot. If he's not wearing his prosthetic legs, what is he? He's walking on his stumps. Okay. So like whether he shoots. Oh, so it's a height issue. It's a height issue. You'll see how it seemed. He sticks to his story. He was trying to protect her. He thought there was an intruder. So Botha comes in. He notices the door, the broken down door, the cricket bat, two cell phones, a 9mm pistol. There's some unlicensed ammunition from a 38 revolver. They have vials of an unknown liquid, some syringes. They take laptops, iPads, 
phones, guns, cartridges. So they collected. They even took the door into evidence because a police officer was offered $50,000 for a photo of the, of the door. What? Because this guy is oh, a for beloved the press? for the press. But oh. if that had gotten up, that would have destroyed their case. Right, right, right. And obviously, the big question in this case is, did he intentionally kill her or was he telling the truth? Is it an accident? Tell us. I'll tell you the verdict eventually, but I'll, I'll paint a picture based okay. on some of the article. Her family obviously is fully convinced that it was premeditated. He murdered her in cold blood based on a fight. She brought her cell phone into the bathroom with her. There's a lot of question about why she would do that. Doesn't everyone do everyone that? Everyone does that. But at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up, do you? Oh, no, no I don't. not You're really. Right. No. They say that her bladder was emptied, um, which would corroborate the story that she peed. But the way she was hovered in the bathroom might speak to something else of what happened. The bullet struck her right side through her shorts, which means her shorts weren't pulled down, so she wasn't... So I'm inclined to believe one thing, but anyway, so that apparently... Were her pants down or not when she was shot? Her pants were not down when she was shot. Why would a burglar hide in the bathroom? That's the part I'm like, you thought there was a burglar locked in the toilet? And the first thing you did was shoot a bunch of bullet holes through the door. Yeah. That does seem crazy. Like a really crazy reaction to me. Yeah. So a lot of what his defense was is how... Because I would grab the um, her and be like, let's get out of here. It's yeah. not safe in here. There's someone in here. And then if you realize you can't find her, you can realize she's the one going potty. Yeah. And you don't need to shoot anyone through the door. Right. Well, so it does seem, it the does order seem, of operation well, seems bizarre. It seems super fucked, right? And it's like, it's all hearsay because he's the only person at the crime. Totally. And so it's like, and of course there's a lot of doubt. And he was, he's this beloved athlete. But a lot of times there's always an underbelly of, you know, these people. So like he, for example, like a friend of his tells a story about which is to his defense which is a friend of his had his son stay there and in the middle of the night his son went and got some water and oscar came down with a gun in a hand thinking it was an intruder thinking that this was like he was just living in fear all the time Mm -hmm. he has like instagram photos of him with his guns like he just you know that he was a gun nut they never disclosed his tox screenings. So, like, what they part of the evidence was like they took him to get his blood drawn and blood work done. None of that information was ever disclosed to the outside. In 2009, he got in a big boating accident where he crashed his boat and he had to get massive surgery because he broke his like eye socket, jaw, like his nose, Whoa. like a shit ton of stuff. But they never tested his blood for alcohol. What? Um, which is crazy. He was arrested, I, I mentioned, for the uh, allegedly slamming the door on the woman. Those charges were later dropped. I guess what happened was the woman who he slammed the door on was a friend of his girlfriend. His girlfriend at the time noticed he was, like, flirting with another woman. She got pissed. He kicked her out. The friend was like, my keys are in there. She went to go get the keys. He slammed the door so hard. The glass broke. A couple weeks before the shooting, he was out to dinner with friends, and one of them had a pistol, and they handed it to him under the table, and it accidentally shot and almost hit his friend in the foot. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. 
Yeah. That's just his friend did that? Like, he did. He, like, passed a pistol to Oscar, and it accidentally went off and almost hit his friend in the foot. Like, they're just gun nuts. This is the thing. These people are fucking gun nuts, and they're using it for, quote, protection. But again, shit like this happens. Another instance was, like, with another ex-girlfriend. Someone was dating her, and he found out, and he went up to him at, like, a racetrack and was like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like, the guy had some anger shit. Yeah, which is interesting because it jealous, could point clearly jealousy. to... Honestly, though, it could point to either one. It could point to him being the kind of person that kills his girlfriend, and it could also point to him being the kind of lunatic that's like, oh, you fucking broke into my house. Before I even investigate further, my first reaction is to shoot three bullet holes through this Four. door. Three right. Just, it's but like he, it's that's he's nuts is like the picture I'm getting. So it, it really just depends on uh, what their relationship was like, I guess. Totally. And they were only together four months. And so his memoir writer even was like, did we create a monster? Like, his memoir writer was even like, we've let him get away with so much. Like, into, like if you oh, crash a car, if you crash a boat and they don't take your blood alcohol That's wild. level. Like, it feels like a lot of it was just, like, he had this really dark side that was either fearful anger. But, like, he was such an inspiration to so many kids who were amputees themselves. But he was an eccentric guy. Like, the more you find out, you're kind of like, what? Like, he subsisted apparently on energy drinks and caffeine pills. And when he wouldn't sleep, he would, like, go and shoot at the dry, at the shooting range. He had two white tigers that once they got over 400 pounds, he sold it to the Stop. Canadian Zoo. Yeah. Okay, like, okay, okay. He had tigers. Enough said. Enough said. Enough said. So, when... Riva died. The the body was brought back to her family. He had his own memorial for her. I mean, he killed her. No matter what happened, he killed her. And a lot of women's groups, primarily in South Africa, were like, fuck you. Like, this guy killed her. Why is he walking free? Well, he's not walking free, but I'll get to it. It's pretty wild. In the Vanity Fair article, they talked to her family, and her mom was like, my daughter always wanted to be in Vanity Fair. Mm. And it's heartbreaking that this is how she is. Her dad, like, can't even talk about it without crying. Apparently, someone from Oscar's camp tried to call the family, and they were like, I have nothing fucking to say to you to maybe invite them to memorial, because she was like, it's fucked that he had a memorial for her. Like, he should not have fucking done anything. I mean, realistically, they only dated for four months. That's not... They knew each other for four months. Not a long time. So he was arrested, and a lot of protesters were like, he's basically in a fucking hotel. Like, he has a TV in his cell. That's bullshit. The murder was classified as a Schedule 6 or a premeditated murder. So he was charged with premeditated murder. So in order to, like, make his case for bail, he had to present his case as to what it was. So... He talks about how he was worried and he was trying to protect her, you know, and that he had experienced violence and burglaries in the past. And so the gun was really close to him under his bed and it was just an accident. So after he presented his case, Dr. Uh, Detective Botha took the stand and he talked about what he saw. He saw that the bullet holes were angled down and high up and that didn't totally corroborate. He thinks she was murdered in cold blood. No questions, the detective says. He's like, this is a murder. And then 
they could cross-examine him. So some of the questions were, how are you sure that it was them screaming from the witnesses? There's no way to know exactly who that was. Wouldn't she lock herself in the bathroom if someone was shouting there was a burglar? You know, so like they were able to turn the tables. And so he was released on bail. And soon after, this is just a little bit of an addendum. Apparently there's a lot of corruption in the police department. And Detective Botha was like, I'm very proud of my record. I don't feel like he's been a good guy. But right after his testimony that night, a previous charge against him opened up again. What had happened was is he was investigating a murder and a minibus taxi drove at them at 100 miles an hour. When the driver tried to flee the scene, they, he shot out all of the tires. He was then being charged for attempted murder for this, each of the passengers on that bus. For shooting at the tires. For shooting at the tires. So this case was reopened right after his testimony to discredit him, uh-huh. to discredit the detective. And so he was removed from the case, and then they reassigned him from the police force. Huh. So Oscar Pistorius, after this cross-exam, which the defense attorney was very well prepared, he was released on bail. His attorney's negotiated his bail um, restrictions, like no alcohol or he couldn't return to his house so that he could travel and race. As long as he like submitted an itinerary to the court, he could go and travel and race out of state. So he's just, so he's just whatever living he his fucking life. He just yeah. has to get like... Yeah, he just has to get note. approval. Yeah, he gets to get a note. <laughs> Whoa. Fucked up. That's fucked. Super fucked. So... Finally, the trial happens. In 2014, he's found not guilty of murder, but culpable of homicide. So it's like a little bit of a caveat. Again, like South African, I think courts are just obviously different than American courts. So Uh bear with me. So he's sentenced to five years for culpable homicide with a concurrent three years for reckless endangerment. They charged him for that like gun going off under the table. Concurrent, as we know, means he's serving it at the same time. So five years. In 2015, a year later, he was up for early release. So just a year because he served a sixth of his sentence. Wait, so he got out after a year? Hear me out. It's a little confusing because right after this five-year sentence came out, prosecutors were like, fuck that. That's not enough. That's too light a sentence. So they filed an appeal. So he goes, so in June 2015, he appealed for early release because he was eligible for it. So he gets out on house arrest October 2015. The appeal that was filed the previous year, the trial is for November 2015. So in that appeal, the culpable of homicide verdict was overturned and that he, they found him guilty of murder. Got it. Because there was no warning shot. He just shot right into mm-hmm. the bathroom. There was no, like, how... There was no question he just shot. So, like, no, you're guilty of murder. So he could stay on house arrest until the sentencing, number two, which happens in July 2016. So he serves, like, a year, leaves, is on house arrest for nine months or whatever. He's sentenced to six years. After that sentence in 2016, they're like, fuck that. That's way too light. So they appeal it again. And I think it goes to the Supreme Court. But basically, in 2016, he left to attend his grandmother's funeral. They gave him, like, a compassionate release. But in 2017, they then increased his sentence to 13 years and five months. So he had a total of 15-year sentence. So 
in total, after his appeals, after he was then brought back to jail, his total sentence is 15 years, and he will not be eligible for parole until 2023. So they found him guilty of murder. But this case, I can't believe you didn't hear about it. Oh, well, now that you said it all, I'm like, yeah, I do remember hearing about it. I remember it being a big thing, but I didn't know all the information. Right. I do think that... It's that really sad. It's horrible. He had this... Uh, the hearts of all these people, yeah. you know? And she was, like, just getting started. And her heart was so good. She, like, was yeah. super fucking smart and, like... She was doing all the right things. Come on, murderers. Can't you just kill bad guys? Also, they were like, they lived in this beautiful, safe community that it was like, why were you afraid of a burglar coming in? But. Well, he wasn't, Carrie. He wasn't. Yeah. Let me answer that for you. He He wasn't. wasn't. Yeah, it's interesting just the psychology of if you think there's a burglar in your house, what you do. Clearly, I go and answer the door. Yeah, you go answer the door. I mean, we don't have weapons in this house, so I am always like, should I have something? Not a gun. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, when my dad moved, when I moved into my place, yeah, when I left and I was packing to come back to Brooklyn, my dad was like, here. And he hands me this big-ass fucking flashlight. And he's like, keep this near your bed. You grab the head of it and you swing. And then my dad also, when I was there, sent me these poles that hold up your window so you can't open them all the way so no one can climb in through the window. It's such a dad thing. It's very sweet. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if we should have a, I don't know what we would have, pepper spray? I feel like a security system is probably like the first step I would have. So the lazy thing about me is that the boys downstairs have a security system. And I'm kind of like, wouldn't you have to access the downstairs to access the... Upstairs? Yeah. Like, did did they do my work for me is my question. Uh, They did, and I'm fine with that. You're fine with it, right? I mean, should Should I I get get a a hammer? Should I get a security system in my house? I don't (sighs) don't own it. Here's the thing. If Simply Safe would just... uh, advertise then maybe we get like a free that should be our goal get simply safe as advertisers mostly just so we can get some free simply safe shit the idea of walking home and having to turn off an alarm is exhausting oh that made you tired just to think about i was like i can't be bothered well you know co would be setting it off all the time somehow (laughs) i mean i definitely there was there are times I shouldn't say this, but there are times because my our part my apartment building is so tiny and I know everyone. Uh-huh. Like I'll get a package and I'll forget to lock. So like sometimes before bed I'll be like, oh, I gotta go check the door to make sure it's locked. Yeah. Or like or I go check the door at night too, I, and I wait till the most annoying point, like where you're like in <laughs> bed under the covers, and, and then you're cozy. like, are th- and you hear like not even a noise and you're like now would be a great time to get out of bed go downstairs and check all the doors like a fucking idiot do you make matt do it of course i do that a girl oh my god of uh, course that's all I'm i looking do for. i'm looking for someone who if i'm in bed i can go can you check the door and they go of course i'd be happy to put that on your hinge that's a great idea just looking for oh someone to check the doors speaking of which the other morning i woke up and at nine in the morning what the fuck hinge has now put a phone icon there so you can call someone like a <gasps> lunatic. Oh my and god, a video that's option. terrible. Horrible. So I wake up at nine o'clock and I don't have 
a social media on my phone so it'd curb the use. So I just go on Hinge but I'm just feeling like I need to kill time in bed before I wake up for the day. And I accidentally hit the phone on a... No, <laughs> no. Hinge. <laughs> Why are you doing this to people? It was horrible. And he was like, uh, I'm at work, but I can talk for a minute. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just so did not mean to do that. He was like, I, I mean... And the I mean, thing you is, look great. I mean, you're very <laughs> handsome. I mean, pleasure to meet you. Because, like, I don't this know if I'm interested like in this guy. This sounds the most awkward thing in the world. I, yeah, I texted him. I, what did I say? Oh, my oh, God. I'm, I feel embarrassed, I and it didn't happen to me, and my what did face I say? is he hot. Probably sound, he probably was like, this chick is fucking crazy. Like, who calls someone? At nine. At nine in the morning? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So careful on those apps. This whole pandemic has made it so much easier for people to get into contact with you. And I do not appreciate it. If you guys aren't Patreon subscribers, then just become one. 